Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and I am so excited you're here. If this is your first time, I am so glad that you have chosen your time to invest with us today. And this is a very spicy one. So yes, we are talking all about being brave and talking about sex. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's super spicy. And we are going to talk about this topic that a lot of us avoid and actually maybe even feel uncomfortable with. And and honestly, I'm so glad to bring over not only a dear friend, but somebody who has mastered the conversation of sex and sex in relationships, sex as a means to really get to know parts of ourselves that we've never explored or discovered. Now, coming from a background of, you know, Filipino Indian background, I don't know about you, but for me, I was taught that, you know, sex was a bad thing and you're not a good girl if you're even thinking about all of those things. And so, and then you get into relationships and then you get into marriage. <laughs> so I'm so glad that Alexa has really taken to her means of using social media as a platform to re-educate all of us in a way where it's allowing us to have and, and reclaim our power back. And you may know her as that sex chick on IG. And before Alexa became a sex coach and business mentor, she actually grew up in the deep, deep South, meaning like Bible Belt town, right? So Louisiana, think Catholic household, trying to follow all the rules, trying to be the good girl and, and living, you know, the, the American dream, making her parents proud, all of the things, like getting married young and everything, right? But that wasn't really going to be her story because growing up seeing her grandparents you know bicker her mom marry five times and really be part of codependent relationships she wanted to switch the narrative for her how many of you all have you know had not really the best kind of role models for yourself in terms of relationships, where then you think sex is just a means to uh, be done and over with in, in a minute, right? And, and or you're not even really knowing or even open to exploring your sexual curiosity or your sexual appetite. And not even sexual, because a lot of what we go into in this episode is really all about sensuality and how to 
get to know what are the sensual aspects of you. And I'm so excited for this that we've actually dropped this into a two-part episode because there was so much for us to talk about. And I mean, she brings her tools to the table. And if you are going to be watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see the different kinds of tools that you can actually get for your loved ones, for your spouse. And, you know, the whole idea of being shameful or ashamed to have this conversation, let's be brave and bring it out on the table. Let's be brave and be honest with ourselves. What do we not know about our our, our vulvas, which, you know, I used to call vaginas, but really, what do we know our, about our, our body parts, our, our private parts? And so as you listen to Alexa's story and hear her share of how she literally braved this new paradigm of sex in her life, I really invite you to keep an open mind and investigate your feelings around sex. Does it feel shameful even talking, uh, listening to me talking about sex? Some of you are very closed off in your relationships and some of you coming from cultures that really place a taboo around sex. Like I grew up thinking, you know, Kama Sutra was just uh, like a, a fictionalized thing. And then there are temples in India that like revere to this sort of sacred practice, like sex can be sacred. And then I learn all about Tantra growing up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're reclaiming our education back in in such a beautiful and rich culture that I was born and brought up on on my dad's side, my dad being Indian. And you know, luckily enough, there was a point in, in my relationship with my dad where he was open in having, you know, the conversation of sex. Now, as open as he could be for context, a Punjabi father. But honestly, if this is you right now, I, I hope that this episode brings more insight and more exploration as we lean into this very taboo topic and in, in I'm just so glad that Alexa had the time to spend with us. And uh, I encourage you to check this out on YouTube as well. And some of the juicy nuggets that you'll get actually out of this episode is how to cope with losing your identity and who you are in a long-term relationship. We go into what does BDSM mean? Okay. And understanding both its physical and mental and sensual components Viewing sexual development as part of your personal development. This is so key because so much we think, okay, you know, we think, okay, our sexual exploration is really all about what we don't like. And for most of you, you're probably like, I don't even know what I do like. And I'm so glad we have, you know, different apps out there now that's devoted to sexual education, that's devoted to pleasure, that's devoted to helping us understand how to awaken the pleasure aspects that we all are deserving of and how pleasure, if we are, you know, in a state of this, this is coming up in a, in a separate episode, but how we can operate so differently in our relationships, who we are as women, and how we, you know, even soften a little bit more. And how amazing and beautiful is that? We also get into how to be a high-powered woman who still wants to submit and surrender in the bedroom. You know, a lot of times that is like vilified, uh, you know, in, in, in certain aspects and there hasn't really been even safe conversations or safe places to have those conversations. How to discuss your sexual desires with your partner, especially if you are either in a long-term relationship or maybe you're just casually dating. 
but how to leave that judgment out the door. Because so much of it we've learned to not talk about or not advocate what we want. And again, how to view kink and BDSM as a nurturing and healing tool when it's done with love and care. Breaking down the idea of taboo for traditional couples who may, you know, maybe one partner is more open and exploring uh, than the other and how to actually have and navigate those conversations and how to rekindle your sexual spark with your partner and tips for bringing it up in conversation, especially if you've, let's be honest, just been having vanilla sex. So how to be that way shower, that conversation starter without making your partner feel like you know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, on the same page with you. And then finally showing up as the fullest expression of you in the bedroom so that you can be your best self in all the other roles that you play in life as a mom, a leader, as a head of your household, etc. And I have a whole list of resources on sex relationships and embodying your full self, which I'm linking down in the show notes. There's so much to absorb, but let's get into the episode this week, welcoming Alexa Bowditch to the Brave Table. Oh my goodness. Today, you all are in for a very sweet and sexy treat. (laughs) I'm so excited to welcome that sex chick to the podcast. Mm. Welcome to the Brave Table. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (sighs) I feel feels it's called the Brave Table. Uh, You know my subject matter and you know what I'm about. And so I'm like, oh gosh, how do I bring it and be brave at this table? (laughs) What is that going to look like? I'm here for it. Exactly. Well, first I want to start out with you guys, if you are, um, most of you are going to hear this, but Alexa is sitting before me with all of her fancy tools (laughs) and she's got a piece of jewelry around Mm -hmm. her neck. So I'm just going to start there. What is that? This is a Vesper Crave. Okay. Um, A Vesper Crave. So the brand is Crave and this model is called a Vesper. Okay. And it's, I believe, an 18 karat gold. It's an 18 karat gold. Chain. I'm not sure the mechanics on the inside, but it's a vibrator. So you're wearing a vibrator as a piece of jewelry. Yeah. It's one of my only pieces of jewelry that I steadily wear. Should have seen the first time I wore this around the family. And (laughs) my sister just figures this out and has this conversation with me. And then she goes, mom, (laughs) across the table. Do you know what's on Alexa's neck? (laughs) Mom just goes, I do. <laughs> oh, so they, she they knew, knew already. She oh, knew, knew already. Was a vibrator? Yeah, I mean, because it doesn't really look like it. No. It looks like some sort of a secret, like compartment. Yeah, or weapon, or because like, it's very, it's not thick. It's very like discreet. Yeah, yeah that's it. It's There's a discreet. whole line. Um, the brand Unbound. Okay, has a bunch of jewelry that like uh, would be a ring that flips around and turns into a pinwheel. Oh my gosh! So which I actually is... have a pinwheel. Stop with what me. Is a I pinwheel? do. So like, imagine a ring that turns, that flips around and turns into one oh, of these. Wow. So like has a little bit of, you know, kind of sensation. A little bit of kink you know? and sensation. Okay, so, this kind of looks like something I would use in the kitchen. It's something that originally was used in a doctor's office Stop. to determine if you had nerve damage. Oh my gosh. Right? Because of really? sensation. Yeah. I think maybe people still use it. Oh. You know? Guys, if you're not checking this out on YouTube, um, you have to. This kind of looks like something somebody would use to like hurt somebody else. Um, it has spokes on it, like you would like a bicycle, (laughs) 
but this yeah. is a pinwheel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But really it would, you would have to put a lot of pressure in order to hurt someone. It, it's mostly sensation. And I think yeah. the look of it is what spikes maybe adrenaline for people mm. more than anything. The look is sharp. The look is kind of scary, but if you're, let's say blindfolded and your partner's whispering things in your ear, and then all of a sudden you feel these little tiny pokes, maybe down your sternum, oh. or maybe across your belly very lightly, or maybe on the inside of your arm, it elicits what the hell is that? Ooh. You know, and little, it's kind of sharp, but not really. Like maybe this could go in what direction? So surprise and delight kind of items. Surprise and delight. Okay. Well, let me set the tone because <laughs> this is a conversation I am so excited to have with you. Braving sex, braving the topic of sex um, in very taboo cultures, right? I come from Filipino Indian backgrounds and, you know, child of immigrants and so, and now married mama of two. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to get into all of it. Great. Uh, but I wanted to start by asking you, who was that sex chick, Alexa, before she was that sex chick? Yeah. I mean, that sex chick only happened because I was doing a branding exercise and I kept going through this portion of the exercise where the question was like, what do people know you as? Like, what do they know you for? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I kept saying all these words that just didn't really fit. And they were a little bit too either woo or spiritual or out there, like nothing resonated. And the person, um, who you might know, Jessica Zweig. Oh yeah. Yeah. One, one of my good friends. And so I was doing an exercise with her. She was here in, in Austin and I was like, I don't know, Jess, people just know me as that sex chick. And she was like, that's it. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? And so I, tr I transformed, you know, all of my social media, my brands and everything to that sex chick. Oh, no way. Um, and it just really has stuck because anytime I'm in a space that, you know, maybe there's a group of people and a handful of people know me or know what I do, then they'll tell the person who doesn't, Hey, do you know Alexa? She's that sex chick. And I'd heard it enough chick, that yeah. it just stuck. Um, but me before becoming that sex chick, was, I mean, you mentioned your upbringing. So I'm technically half Puerto Rican, which is where the Martinez comes from. Yeah, I was going to say, are you Latina? Yeah. Oh, so okay. my biological father is from Puerto Rico and my lineage is Spain and Canary Islands, but oh. my mom is as white girl as it possibly can be. <laughs> okay. And I grew up in deep South Louisiana. So that side mm. of my family is deep, deep, um, Sexually like oppressed? swamp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Louisiana kind of people. Like we like know, my family knows some of the actual swamp people from the show. Stop. Yeah. We have a house that you have to drive a boat to get to. No way. Like not our main house, but the family has. Okay. Yeah. So oh, we've wow. been there over 300 years since before New Orleans was named New Orleans. Like the roots run really deep. And I grew up with Catholic influence. Mm -hmm. And so sex and relationships and what it meant to live a life fulfilled as a young woman was very particular. And I know that this is the case for a lot of people. And I've realized globally, like they, they have a variation of this. Mm -hmm. It's that you're supposed to do these steps and then you live this American dream. You're happy. You're supposed to be happy, happy. And my Quotation world, works. yeah, I didn't, that didn't unfold for me. Mm. Um, and I got a lot of mixed messages growing up grandparents were married almost 50 years before my grandfather passed. And when I looked wow. at their, when I looked at their marriage and I looked at their relationship, I just saw bickering. Mm. I just saw two people who just stayed. Mm -hmm. They just stayed for the kids then because they had each other and they needed each other as very codependent. And then as you would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I saw my mom married five times. 
No. So I had just, you know, and then going to Catholic school, I was like, things are not, this isn't right. And I just, you know what? I need to just do it. Not like mom. Mm. My mom was, um, military single mom. Oh, wow. Most of them that she dated or were married to were, she was their boss. So I saw a really strong woman. I saw men are a revolving door and my biological father left when I was three and didn't try to have a relationship with me. So Mm -hmm. I saw men are untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. I saw all these things and I was just very confused about life, sex, my body, my place in the world, all of that. I attempted to do it one way, which is what the box, the box was. Yes. Tell us that didn't work, (laughs) you know, high school, sweetheart all the way through, um, we started dating it at the end of high school and then went all the way our, our relationship until the end of college at oh, University wow. of Southern Mississippi and Southern Mississippi. I know so I, dirty I'm like, I am so Southern. It's kind of silly, but I don't have an accent. No, you don't. I just say y'all a lot. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's the only thing that would give it away. So that's kind of Texas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm also well-traveled. <laughs> Quite well-traveled. <laughs> so, so really to fast forward, I, I tried to do this relationship I completely and totally lost myself as a young woman and just saw myself as this person's partner, Mm. girlfriend, Mm -hmm. and thought, okay, I'm investing myself and my time and everything into this relationship. It, it should lead me to happiness. And when it fell apart, because why not? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, right. When I, when it fell apart, I experienced anxiety for the first time, um, had my first panic attack, trying to move out of the apartment that we lived in. And so really, really struggled with how do I cope with losing who I am, not knowing who I am. And, um, of course, just the idea of going to date again was very challenging. Sure. But because I learned well, from my mom, who's really awesome, by the way, like she, we have a great shout relationship. Out shout, shout out to mama D. Um, she's just quick. She's an example of what it looks like to find the greatest love of your life at 50. Oh, wow. So her and my stepdad have been together since I was a senior in high school, oh, wow. but I mean, I'd already had all my formative years down. So like I already knew I already figured out my patterns and things. So by the time they got together, that's her longest relationship at 50. She's in her 65, 66 now. Okay, ladies and gents, it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. For real. For real. So, um, I wound up jumping, you know, that, cause since that was modeled for me, I would go from one relationship to the next relationship if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, and I did graduated from so revolving college door. revolving door, right? I could do that if I wanted to. And eventually got into the relationship that taught me everything. Mm. And so it's that Don't one. You just love those. Yeah. 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 I think you're going to ask me a question towards the end of our time together. And I'm going to talk about that relationship, okay. but okay. just the highlights. Um, we, my mom took my sister and I on a cruise vacation. Mm. I was a crew. I was a guest. I met a crew member. We fell very like instantaneously in love, like star cross lovers. On I was, a cruise. I was up on like a different deck where I could see down into the gallery area and he looked up and we locked eyes and it was just like fireworks, sparks, you know, oh my goodness. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Except the ship sailed, (laughs) continued to sail. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we have this moment and we eventually meet on the ship and we start a relationship. Um, I would say by the end of the first week we'd met, we'd exchanged. I love you. I was, I was 22. Oh my gosh. Two months after, or two weeks after we'd met, he, he asked me to join him and he was a crew member on ships from South Africa. Total, total stark contrast from my South Louisiana, South Mississippi life. Oh my goodness. 
And I joined him. So you were a crew member yes. on the cruise ship. I was a crew member on luxury cruise lines. Think Carnival, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, Princess, Celebrity. Ooh. 19 ships, almost six years, oh my 79 countries. 79 countries. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So out of the six years, four were spent in that relationship. And then the final two I, I spent solo um, as an art director on ship. So I totally shifted my wow. studies from science and biology to art and then started traveling the world. Oh my God. So I'm skipping lots of stories in that. Um, it was a really, really cool life. And again, I had my own variations of instead of really coping and figuring out who I am and what I want, I jumped right into another relationship and was far away from my family, far away from my friends. And again, when that relationship taught me all the things mm. I never want to experience again. <laughs> uh, I, I thought I had to put on a facade, mm. you know, so that, that was me before really coming into, to sex, love and relationships as my work, sex, love and relationships really threw me around, um, in life. And it, I, eventually I became a student of it. Okay. Um, personal development, I realized didn't translate into sex mm. and didn't translate into my relationships, especially romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, it was around the time that I, I'd gone to my first a fest and was starting to really get think yeah. and grow rich and yep. power of now. And You're going into I was all of in, it. You were, you I was deep. in. And then the guy that I thought was really hot that I might want to get naked with would come into the room and I'd immediately be a 14 year old girl again oh, wow. and wouldn't know what to do mm-hmm. and wouldn't know how to communicate and wouldn't know how to listen to my body. And there were all of these just jumbled information Mm -hmm. in my mind. And so I couldn't make it line up. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I had the aha after some really, um, sexy experiences with some people. Okay. Okay. Do you want to, you want to dive in there? (laughs) Sure. I had someone introduced, well, this is while I was on ships, introduced me to consensual non-monogamy. Okay. So things like open relationships, consensual non-monogamy. Okay. Consensual, both parties are agreeing to it or all parties are agreeing to of some sort. And the spectrum could be really wide, but I'd never heard of it before. Okay. So just the coming from a, a yes. Catholic background. Yes. Right? Just the introduction of it yeah. to me was holy shit. Can I say shit on your show? Yeah. Great. Like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. People do love differently. Like they, they make yeah. it work for them. Mm. It was just such a foreign concept to me. Now I, I since then I've only seen a handful of, of relationships that are consensual non-monogamous and are, I would say, are really healthy and beautiful. I've seen lots of variations of it where I'm like, oh, I don't think that's great. Um, so just the idea that people choose differently, mm. that was the first thing. And then the second person that really stood out on my timeline was the person who introduced me to kink and introduced me to BDSM. Mm. I didn't even know that that's what it was called. Okay, what did you think? Dark, demented, twisted shit. <laughs> yeah. Which, which most people probably think that. Yeah. And it was some of the hottest experiences I may ever have because Mm -hmm. I simply didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I was immersed in something that was so unique and foreign, but I didn't have time really to lay judgment. I was just in it and I was in so much pleasure and surprise and, and it transformed the way that I looked at sex and I looked at myself Mm -hmm. And thank goodness I interacted with someone who knew what they were doing and was very kind and considerate and very well-versed. So were you open to it at the time? Were you like in this exploratory phase or were you kind of like this person took you by surprise? 
I was exploratory. I was reading a lot. So Sex at Dawn, The Ethical Slut. Um, There were a handful of books that after I finished with the first round of personal development, Uh I was like, what is sexual development? Sexual development. Oh, I love that. Because I realized that I was blocked and having hangups and all these things in sex specifically. Do you feel like you were judging yourself in relationship? Not consciously. Okay. Not consciously. I was just acting in ways that didn't make sense to me. Mm. You know, I chose, I made these choices for how I was acting and believing and thinking and treating myself outside of, and then I would get into these dynamics and it would just be patterns looping around. Or I, I would just say a thing and be like, where, you know, after the fact I go, I'm like, why did you say that? That was very strange. You know, it's just this very awkward kind of unfolding. Mm. And, um, and this person definitely did catch me by surprise because I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't specifically learning about kink or BDSM at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, and to make it even hotter, he is a captain. Oh, wow. On ships. And oh. I was an art director at the time. Oh, wow. So it's so like the very, makeup of an erotic novel. That's very much an erotic novel. Hello there, fam. I just wanted to take a moment to pop in and tell you all about the juicy that is happening right now at dharmacoachinginstitute.com at DCI. That's right. I am not only one of the co-founders with Sahar Rose and Ajit, but we have come together to really create an opportunity of a lifetime. And if you are one that has always been the way shower for your family, if you are the one that is diving into the advice giving of all of your friends, if you are the one that is now looking for more purpose and for more meaning in your life, and maybe you are super accomplished in your business and your professional life, but now you kind of want to go deeper. You want to have more of that spiritual awakening, that spiritual acumen under your belt. This is the opportunity for you. We have now trained close to 800 students and we are opening our doors. Our enrollment starts right now to become a DCI coach, that's right, a certified Dharma coach, a sole purpose coach, a spiritual life coach. This is the only dual certification in the world where you will be certified as a spiritual life coach and a sole purpose coach. And we are so excited because our not only Eastern philosophy and blend of Vedic principles, but also a full, clear foundation of all the coaching principles. We go into human design. We go into the Dharma discovery method. We go into the Dharma blueprint. You are alongside with not only the three, actually the four master coaches, as well as myself, Sahara and Ajit, but also you are fully supported with coaching calls, live interaction calls, small group practice pods. And if you're thinking, hey, I don't wanna create a business out of this. I just want this for my own spiritual awakening, my own development. I need something for me. Maybe you are the one that is constantly organizing everything and you are just starting to feel depleted. This is also for you. We have two tracks, one for folks who want to do this, for their own spiritual and personal growth. And the other track is for those who want to create this into a business, want to actually create a thriving, purposeful, meaningful career out of this. And that is a six month journey. And the last two months are solely on how to get visibility, create breakthroughs for your clients, as well as a whole slew of how to niche down, as well as making sure that you are 
knowing the marketing, knowing the content and everything that goes along with building a successful, abundant and booked, busy coaching practice for you. And I am so, so excited to share that we are closing the doors on April 4th. That's actually when we start classes and for more information, you can check it out at Dharma Coaching Institute. Your next chapter awaits at dharmacoachinginstitute.com. I'm beyond excited and I cannot wait to see you there. So yeah. so take us through the, what, how would you define BDSM? BDSM is defined as bondage, dominance, discipline, sadism, submission, masochism, four letters, six words, and they flow in and out of each other. And typically the underlying theme of it all is dominance and submission. Um, it's abbreviated capital D forward slash little s. Mm. I know a lot about this now. Of course. You know, because this person's, you know, planted those seeds where I was like, oh my gosh, sex will never be the same. What am I going to do? I got to learn about it. Mm. You know, I definitely had those questions of how did I not know that I would be into that? How did I not know that my body could do that? Ooh, okay. Wild. And so I've been fascinated ever since. Psychological kink and physical kink as well. So psychological is more like. Yes. What does that mean? Can I say the F word on your show? Yeah. Okay, great. I should have asked that before we got started. I'm like, I've wanted to it's say okay. fuck a couple times. <laughs> Tantalize us. So mind fuckery. Okay. So if you think about... Um, Give us a taste. Yeah. So elements... So DS can be like the emotional mental space mm. or the physical. If you think like flogger, yeah. paddle, spankings, mm-hmm. things like that, that, that's more sensation based. Okay. And then the mental components would be you know, I'm not touching you. I'm next to you. And we're in a sudden, let's say a dynamic and you trust me. And I tell you to close your eyes mm. and I start giving you instructions. I tell you to put your hand on your heart. I tell you to breathe deeply and I tell you to get on your knees mm. and I tell you to stay there like a good little girl. Mm. And then I leave the room and I leave you by yourself for a little while. And I come back and I say, how's my good little girl. Mm. And so the, these, I'm just using language that right. That is a very effective in mm-hmm. this world. And some people are slightly triggered by some of the language that's used. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, of of course, and I know for a lot of the professional, like, powwow, type A women, you know, they don't like to talk about it, kind of what they desire. Yeah. But because they're so type A in the boardroom or in their businesses, yeah. they want somebody to kind of pick them up and scoop them up and and be that, you know, big, you know, vivacious power yeah. for them to submit and surrender to. Yeah. But when you're explaining it like that, it's kind of like, oh, whatever happened to being hyper-feminist and, you know, the movement. So, so can yeah. you explain what is that dichotomy? So the hyper-feminist and that movement and all of that versus the dynamics that I'm speaking about, it's to me as someone who is very like femme empowerment forward and all of that, I am such a submissive kitten in the right circumstances. And also I'm, I am a part of the right circumstances. I have to choose it. I got to know and take responsibility that that's what I need. And that's what I desire deep down. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm high T because I'm making decisions all day and I'm running a business and my husband works for me. 
which is a fun dynamic, right? So how do I get to create an environment? You are the high power woman. Yeah. Very type A military mom. Yes, that's right. You know? And so, and men leave, they're not trustworthy. I got to hold all the space. Like you might leave at any point in time. So like, what am I going to (sighs) do if you walk out and everything falls apart? I got to hold it together. So thank goodness I'm learning some of these things before I, I wind up, we start our family, you know, and I could potentially impose it upon them, but you know, it's made me who I am today. So I very much resonate with the person that you're speaking about. Um, so I think a lot of women, people in general, but I think, um, in the context of this conversation, women desire to surrender and just like, let it all down, let it all go. And there's a confusion at times that they want to submit and just not do anything, but submission is not passivity. Submission is also playing a role in a dynamic. It's being held. And sometimes when I'm, I'm educating, the DS and the BDSM uh, language isn't resonant. It doesn't resonate for some people because they might have some judgments and they might have some feels about it. So we use leader follower. Oh, I love that. Someone's leading an experience and someone's allowing that person to lead mm. is surrendering to their guidance and their nurturing. And a lot of kink and a lot of DS, if you were to really look at it played out in the real world and in bedrooms all over and in dungeons all over, mm-hmm. it's very nurturing. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm going to give you a thing that we've predetermined you want and you desire. I'm going to give you this thing. We're going to check judgment out the door, what it looks like. Right. The way we get there is unconventional that there's love and there's mm. care and, um, and kink and BDSM can be super healing for people. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's so interesting because I love that you're allowing people to explore yeah. and explore the ways of their own sensuality and their own sexuality, because I know that there's, there's this show, um, called billions. I don't know if you've watched yep, it. I sure have. Yeah. 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 Yes. Chuck. Yeah. He's a submissive male. And he, but he holds so much power in the yes. day and they kind of really, and you'll see a lot of this cause I have a good friend who's a dominatrix Yes, and she would always share that all of her clients were these really mm-hmm. high powered men that she would do like the most bizarre things mm-hmm. for them, like smack them, yeah, humiliate the middle, them, yeah, humiliate them in public. That's all they wanted. Or like, yeah you know, light candles and just Drip the try wax. to, yes, all mm-hmm. on their back, on their chest. And so do these like weird things, you know, do her like six inch heels yeah. and step on them. Like, so, so in billions, they make it okay. They normalize it for yeah. a male to do that. Mm-hmm. But for a female, that's not really even talked about. <laughs> Very anti-2022. Right. I suppose. Yeah, I love that they portrayed that in Billions. Of course, there was still a decent amount of shame because it was thrown back at him that if you don't act a certain way, we're going to publicize this and you're potentially going to lose everything you've ever worked for. And of course, that's that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and for for women, I think, for me, I'll just speak for myself, you know, no matter what the, the culture scape looks like or what's right or what's wrong, so to speak, like I came out of all these boxes. I'm, st- I'm, I'm going to, I made a promise to myself. I think a lot of people that, that wind up working with me, they're in the process of making those promises to themselves too, that they're going to stop fucking listening mm. to all of the noise of what it's, what it's supposed to mean. Or if you like to, you know, if you like to engage with your husband and he makes you beg, So what? It feels good. Mm -hmm. And both parties are consenting so that they show up outside of the bedroom, the best parents, the best lovers, the best 
whatever they do is their career. Like the, the avenue that people get to, they're happy. I'm not judging that, Mm -hmm. you know, for me and even those, and I've gotten to a point now where it's almost impossible to shock me. (laughs) Okay. You know, like sometimes I kind of miss it, you know, where someone says a thing, they're like, oh yeah, but I've got this thing that I really like. And I don't know how I'm going to date because I'm afraid that if I say it to people, whenever I'm dating, that they're just going to run away. Mm -hmm. And they tell me that they like to tickle feet and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, (laughs) you're like, that's so kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, taboo is whatever is taboo to you. So how do we break taboo down for traditional, conventional couples who are kind of like, well, they are curious that now after a kid or after getting married and doing all the things that they are, they don't have that sexual development like you talked about, Yeah, you know, because there's not really places where you can really get it. Right. Unless you're reading, like, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about uh, Pussy, the, the right, book. Right, a reclamation. Mm-hmm. Which is such a powerful book for mainstream. Yeah. But what would you suggest in terms of, you know, sexual education that you can bring into the bedroom for couples to rekindle that spark? Yeah. So I have a couple of resources that I would love to share. And, be- and she's also brought toys, you guys. I did. We have a big bag of toys here. <laughs> Um, so I'm very curious at what she's going to pull out of her Mary Poppins bag, literally, which is the table. (laughs) Um, it it does feel like that. Like I could just keep reaching and reaching and there's just going to be vibrator and dildo and butt plug and nipple clamp. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so the first thing is that I think for couples, especially if they've been through life together, you're looking at, let's say a husband and a wife and they have a family and he's watched you birth a child. Yeah. Like he's what he has seen, he's seen you, him. he has seen some things and he has been there. He's seen the pussy. Open. Yeah. Yeah. The, the portal <laughs> yeah. of life, yes. you know, it's, I just want to say that for a lot of people, they, they feel like they've been through so much and they have. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you could be with someone for five, 10, 15 years and sit at the table and have your very first intentional conversation about sex can be so scary. Mm-hmm. Because I think about myself and the seasons that I've been through and the cycles that I've been through and the ones that I know that are still to come, you know, just when I think I've got this thing down, being me down, the next season of life unfolds and it's like, psych, Mm -hmm. try something else. Um, And so, or here's your next adventure. And, you know, to sit across from the table of your significant other and to know that they're about to share, they're probably gonna share some stuff you never knew about them, but they've seen you give birth and you've seen them climb you know, their career ladder or you've been there rallying for them and, you've, and you're so close and you're so bonded and there's a well of information about them that you don't know mm. can be frightening for some people. And so I think just presencing that, like just saying that up front, mm. it's brave yeah, to show up at the table and say, we are where we are and we have two kids, three kids, whatever. We're going to have this, we're going to have this conversation and I love you. And I'm just going to give you what you can use in that conversation. So you can say things like I take responsibility for the emotions and the sensations that I'm going to bring to this conversation and that I'm going to feel in this conversation. Oh, that's so good. I take responsibility for the emotions yeah. and sensations and the that sensations I'm going to bring to this conversation. That I'm going to experience in this conversation. I'm going to experience in this conversation. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to do the best of my ability not to put it on you and to listen with an open heart and to check my projections and my judgments 
over what you might say you like and what you enjoy that I may not know. Mm. So what do you, what are some of the things that could come up in a conversation like that when couples are being brave and sharing kind of their deepest, darkest fantasy secrets, yeah. things that they've done with other people? Uh-huh. And it can be so challenging. It's like, oh, we decided to get together and every person I was ever with just all of a sudden, poof, disappeared from my timeline. <laughs> I've never seen another dick ever, you know, and it's, it's just wild. So some of the things, you know, I, I, that I've heard over the years that men are afraid to share the type of porn that they watch Mm. or that they watch it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, or that they continue to watch it. Yeah. I have a friend that she's married. They're working on baby number two Mm. and it's a joke. I, I'm very much in their sex life as the friend, I am the sex friend. You're the sex friend. You're that sex friend. (laughs) Well. <laughs> and he, and, and it, you know, if, if a man is divulging, like I, I watch a certain type of porn and the type of woman is nowhere near mm. the type of person that they are married to can be like, well, what it, are we living a lie? Yeah. You know? And so he in particular watches all black porn. Mm. What it's, does that mean? He just, that's what he likes. Okay. Like black women. Porn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like that's his fantasy. That's what he enjoys. That's his fantasy. And she is not that (laughs) at all, but they've made it to where they can talk about it and they've made it to where it's normalized and it simply is. And for whatever his reasons are, because I mean, if we just, this is a little rabbit hole, we won't go into it, but, um, black sexuality is fetishized mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different races and cultures that are fetishized. Totally Asian. And this female, person yeah. happens to come from a very particular kind of upbringing where that's, it makes sense that mm. that would be fetishized. And there's nothing, I'd say there's nothing inherently wrong mm-hmm. with that. Okay. Um, so, and that's again, that's so a glad whole deeper conversation. Yeah. 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 But I mean that this is real. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sharing it because it's, it's real. Right. You know? we, we all might have our little, yeah, dirty things that yeah. we've been fantasizing about. Yeah. Yeah. And some people, some people, let's say they consume hentai, which is a Japanese porn okay. where everyone is getting every, like all of the people that are displayed have huge eyes and really enormous breasts. And it's like sex with the brother and also an octopus and it's all over the place. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and some people you know, they're in a relationship and they will just never share those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so that's just in, uh, under the porn umbrella, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes women will bring to the table that they want to dom or they want to be fully in control. And they've been told this, I, this, this, um, message that they're supposed to be these sweet little submissive things in the, in the bedroom, but they really want to make their partner get on their knees Mm -hmm. and make them beg for it. Um, and so they're, there's just so much that now, can... Now, do you work with couples mm-hmm. to kind of help explore oh, yeah. what they can do in the bedroom? Yes. And sometimes sharing those pieces of information, just, okay, we're going to have a convo. What do you got? Is like t- too much, too much, too fast, mm-hmm. too soon. It can bring up a trauma response for people. Um, so I, we have a tool, the most utilized tool um, for us in, in Sex and Love Co., which is the brains in the business. Yes, I'm that sex chick, but we have a whole team of people that are therapists, counselors, various coaches, sexuality educators that work with us. Yes, yeah, so you have a huge umbrella. Yeah, yeah. So our most our most utilized tool Ooh. is something called 
put that over there. Oh, it's something that. called a want, will, won't list. And this is one of them. Oh my gosh. So take us through it. I actually want, have want, will, will won't will. list. We're getting ready to upgrade this to include even more okay. information, but already it's over 300 questions. Wow. Are you blown away or what? Did you take copious amounts of notes? And I hope this episode with Alexa really opened your eyes and really blasted you open in so many ways into how to have these vulnerable conversations within your circles. Maybe it's your girlfriend circles. Are you able to have these conversations without feeling super ashamed? Or maybe this episode has really opened your eyes to this new stage of your life where you are curious and maybe you can share this with your partner. And if they're not as open as you are, maybe this episode can really help spark this new way of having these conversation starters without it being super weird or taboo or, you know, shameful because sex is so sacred. And I think that, you know, when we get out of our ego of, of, of the shame and guilt, or maybe even some of the things that we were taught when we were younger, and now we can take our power back and really have a different relationship with sexual exploration and not just that, but sensual exploration. What are some of the things that you can maybe even take from this conversation and incorporate it into the conversations that you're going to be having today, tomorrow, this weekend? So I am very, very excited for us to dive into part two next week. And it, there's just so many juicy nuggets that we couldn't fit all of it into one episode, which is why part two is going to be airing next week. So stay tuned for that. And to learn more about all of Alexa's programs, she has a huge following uh, and in community that has literally been written up in, in, in every place. So you can definitely check her out at That Sex Chick. And for a whole list of resources, again, I'm going to link it all in the show notes because we definitely talked a lot about a lot of concepts today. And I'm so curious for you, what's actually coming up for you as we are braving this conversation? And truly, what will you be doing differently within the bedroom this weekend? Very curious. So you can go to thatsexchick.com backslash resources for all of the things. There's her want, will, won't questions, which I think is so powerful for any couple or even single person or somebody who wants to begin these conversations. And I think it's great for even just your your girlfriend's chat. And not to mention, she has so many more resources on thatsexchick.com. So definitely check that out. And wow, I just hope this conversation inspired you as much as it has for myself, even for Ajit and I. And until next time, have an amazing day. If you loved this episode so much, and if you were curious about how to get the word out and, and get this to as many people as possible, share this episode with your friends, family members, maybe girlfriends, and let's spark a different conversation. Let's spark a new conversation. And if you loved this episode, please feel free to write us a review. I love hearing your reviews. I love hearing how this podcast has really shaped different brave conversations in your lives. And if anybody needs this, please share it with them. We would love a five-star review. 
especially on iTunes and Spotify. This is really where we get more access to people that need to have these conversations in their lives. And honestly, as just a, this labor of love, as we grow this community, I'm offering you as a sweet treat, my seven day mini emotional mastery course that is nowhere else but here that you will get when you send your reviews to support at globalgrit.co. Upload your review at support at globalgrit.co and you will get instant access to my free seven-day mini emotional mastery course. All right, until next time on The Brave Table.